says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me for a very, very special preview episode is my good mate 60s and a mystery guest. I'm going to let you do the introductions here, 60s, because I'm really looking forward to the return of, some might say, a prodigal son. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. We're really looking forward to this because we're going to have the opportunity to catch up with Spiro over the weekend. And we thought, what a be- what better time? to get him back on the podcast. He's been a busy lad in 2023 and that sort of kept him out of our, our regular podcast, but being the true para supporter that he is, he said he's always available for the odd podcast. So we've called him on that. We've got him in for this week's preview podcast. It's our good mate from 2GB Spiro Christopoulos. Spiro, welcome to the tip sheet once more. Well, it's great to be with you guys, 60s, 40s, lovely to be back. I have missed you guys this year. Um, I've been, as you said, very busy, but it's wonderful to be back. And we, I know we spoke about this probably a month or a bit more ago, uh, 60s, about doing a little cameo. And I think what better time to do it than ahead of this weekend. It's a huge game for Parramatta in the men's, obviously the NRLW kicking off, um, you know, heading into the finals now and also ahead of the 2GB appearance at the Legs Club. So lots to discuss. And I really appreciate you guys having me, having me back on. Well, mate, it's our pleasure as well. And, of course, all of this wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead and Star Partners, Real Estate Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. But we have to also mention Parramatta Leagues Club and 2GB are linking up this Saturday from... 1 p.m. until 10 p.m. What a stint that is. What a what a shift that is. The continuous call team with Spiro Christopoulos also there, appearing in Jack's Bar and Grill in Parramatta Leagues Club. Spiro, you must be looking forward to being part of that big show. Yeah, we're pumped. We're, we're really looking forward to taking the show on the road. We do it a couple of times each year. And around the same time last year, we did it at Penrith Leagues Club. It was a huge success, but uh, I'm pumped. I'm thrilled that we're coming to Paraleagues, being a member of the Leagues Club, a, fo- a member of the football club, and knowing the type of response and reaction we get to these types of appearances. It's going to be an awesome day, as you mentioned, 60s, 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. Now, just to give everyone just a little bit of background, uh, we're doing it to celebrate Leagues Clubs Australia's licensed clubs round. So... It's a, a celebration each year. New South Wales Rugby League, obviously, uh, you know, try and pump it up. And as part of that, we take the show on the road from 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. Now, the structure of the show is that we'll have our panel from 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Mark Levy leading the team. He'll be keeping all the boys in check. Obviously, Daryl Broman, the big man, who's funny both on and off there. And you'll see that on Saturday. Paul Gallen, the G-Train, as well as Shane Flanagan. So they'll be there for the, the main uh, panel show between 1 and 5. We've got lots of footy. We, we do the hard stuff, but lots of fun as well. Uh, it's about fun and frivolity, we like to say. So expect an entertaining couple of hours there. And the beauty of what we do at these broadcasts is that in between the news breaks and the ad breaks, you get the chance to go and meet the boys and take a photo and engage with them. So uh, if you're keen to meet the guys, and I think this is the best panel that we've sort of put together all year, having 
the 2016 Premiership winning coach and captain, as well as Daryl Broman and Mark Levy as well, who's uh, he does it all on 2GB. It's an awesome opportunity to meet the team. So that's the structure from 1 to 5. And then at 5.30, we'll call the Newcastle and Melbourne game. And then at 7.30, the big game, Parramatta v North Queensland. So Matt Thompson will be along to call the early game and Chris Warren in the chair to call the later game. Mark Piggy Riddell will also make an appearance, the former Eel, former Dragon, former Rooster. So he'll be along for the 7.30 game, but it'll be an awesome day. If you if you, you've got nothing to do on Saturday, if you're looking for something to do, come down to Paraleague, support the guys. Uh, we'll have 2GB merchandise to give away. We'll have surprise guests as well. We've been working away at locking in some surprise guests to come along and uh, speak to the boys. So make sure you get down there. It's an awesome opportunity. We um, we did one at Tarrant Point at the bowling club end of last year, and that was a huge success too. So looking forward to seeing all the fans. I'll be along as well. I'll be... Uh, I'm there mainly for PR, just to speak to some of the fans and hand out some merchandise and help out with whatever production's needed on the day. But I can't wait. I'll be there nice and early. Uh, I'll be there right from the start, setting up right till the pack up at the end of the day. Mate, you mentioned if you if you haven't got anything on to get down there, I'd suggest if you have got something on, just put a line through it and get down there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm with your 60s. And mate, I, I'll look. I'll be down there. I, I want to be able to catch up with you. We we caught up recently at the club, and we we uh, we do bump into each other from time to time. But we don't get this regular chance to talk. So I, I'm mm. looking forward to getting down there and catching up with you. I, I'm looking forward to saying good day to uh, Chris Warren because Chris, uh, when he was on the other station, um, I, I was a semi regular on his. Uh, show that he hosted. So that's right. Look, looking forward to catch up with him. He was, um, I know he works uh, for the uh, West Tigers in a capacity now, but he'd, he'd always been a, a really strong Eels supporter as well. And he's um, he grew up not far from where I grew up. So I'm looking forward to catching up with him. And I mentioned to you the other day about the little um, uh, fun incident that I had with um, meeting Paul Gallon's mum. Yeah, and, uh, and I might, I think I might share this right now because I, 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 I might, if I get the opportunity on Saturday, I might share it with Paul himself. So, uh, just for our listeners, I was this was back when I was teaching, and I, I was doing a, a, a bit of um, uh, a, a course on, on through the morning on this particular day, a bit of professional development, and that meant that a casual teacher was put onto my class for the morning. So the particular casual teacher came up to my class before the start of the day, a lovely lady. Uh, we're having a bit of a chat. She looks around the classroom and she sees all the Parramatta gear I've got everywhere. I've got the reading groups named after Eels players. I've got posters. I've got Eels flags. Um, I've got as much blue and gold as I can in a classroom. And she said, ah, big Eels supporter. And I said, yes. And she said, our family used to be massive Eels supporters too. And as a matter of fact, my son, whenever Parramatta would lose, he'd cry, he wouldn't want to go to school the next day. And I said, oh, you, you don't jump off a team. What are you talking about? Used to be Parramatta supporters. You've got to stay Parramatta supporters. So we had a bit of banter about that. And then I said, look, can you do me a favour? Can you pop your name up on the blackboard so the kids know your name? And she starts scrawling, Mrs. Gallon. Gee. <laughs> How good is that? And, and I said, um, do you mean you're... And she goes, yes, I'm Paul's mum. And 
<laughs> and of course, then we did a bit more talk about football and about Paul and and what have you. But yeah, that was that was quite uh, quite an amusing day in the classroom. One that when the day started, I certainly wasn't expecting. But um, yeah, she was she was a, a lovely lady, and um, we had a few more talks during the day because you know naturally whether it be uh, when she was out on playground duty, I had to go out and have a bit of a chat to her while she was walking around <laughs> and then in the staff room. So, um, yeah, so that, yeah, I might, might try and share that with Paul if I get the chance on Saturday. But, um, mate, really looking forward to that Leagues Club show. Mm. And, I, and I've got a feeling, too, there's some prizes and stuff like that that will be handed out. And uh, Jack's Bar and Grill, well, that's obviously our uh, our happy place to be. Most weeks, not every week. Sometimes we're there and that's after a loss. Uh, but that's the place that is really made the home of the Eels in, inside uh, Parramatta Leagues Club. So we're quite happy for the 2GB continuous call team, the, the true professionals, to take over from the Cumberland throw this week. <laughs> well, you mentioned you mentioned there the prizes. We, we will have a range of prizes and 2GB merchandise that you can get your hands on. I, I remember last year, we actually gave away a couple of tickets to the grand final at the Tower Ooh. Point outside broadcast the day before the grand final. I don't think we have GS tickets, but there may be something. There may be a signed jersey or you, you'll have to come along a, a, and uh, be part of the action to go into the draw to win some of our prizes. And just quickly, just a couple of quick things. When you think about it, you, you triggered it, triggered something for me there, 60s. Gal always talks about playing his junior football for Wentworthville, for the Magpies yeah. and for the Parramatta District Rugby League. So when you think about it, Gal's a para junior and Flutter's also a, a former eel. He played first grade for Parramatta. And, um, you know, there are some photos online of uh, Flutter suiting up for the blue and gold. So although they might be a, a, cap, a captain and coach for the Cronulla Sharks when they won their premiership, they're captain and coaches and former uh, Parramatta Juniors. So it's, you know, they're back to their old stomping ground on Saturday. And the other thing I wanted to mention quickly is that it's a very unique opportunity for rugby league fans to come and actually watch uh, watch our call team call a game. It's rare that you get to get an insight into that, how uh, the commentary works, the behind the scenes, get a bit of an insight. So come down and see it, 5.30 and 7.30. You, you'll never look at a rugby league game the same way again. I'm telling you now, because you look at the way the team engage and interact and they put all their heart and soul into the call. So it's, a, it's an awesome opportunity from that point of view to, to witness that happen. So, yeah, a lot to look forward to. At 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. Saturday, Jack's Bar and Grill get down there, continuous call team, broadcasting live. Well, look, I've got all respect for the people who do this work uh, as professionals because... Forty and I, we we've done a little bit with calling lower grade games for the Eels um, with uh, audio streams on TCT. Uh, I had a bit of a crack at it with the New South Wales Rugby League with calling um, Andrew Johns and Laurie Daly Cup matches uh, involving Parramatta. And what I can say is that for for those who are the professionals, you can see. You know, when it is a, it's it's not an easy thing to do. It really isn't. And um, uh, full marks to people who do this as a profession. I know everyone might have a, a whinge about certain TV callers or radio callers or what have you, and and think that it, it can or should be done better. But until you have a crack yourself, you've got no idea how how tough it is uh, to do that job. So anyway, we uh, 
really big day. Really looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to catching up with you there, Spiro. But there is plenty that we need to discuss before we even mm. launch into our Eels preview. Um, first of all, there's some massive reported money for the Finu brothers to swap from Manly to uh, the West Tigers. I mean, are you hearing that same amount that like um, across the, the years for four, four year contracts, $500,000 a year? Is that the sort of money you're hearing about as well, mate? Yeah, it is. It is. And I'm not surprised in the slightest because earlier this year, I actually met with their manager. So their manager, Mario Partak, he also has Josh Adokar as part of his portfolio and a number of other uh, big-name stars, Moses Suli, um, uh, Luke Thompson as well, the Bulldogs. So he's got a, a big, big, um, big portfolio. But when I spoke to Mario, he couldn't stop talking about Samuel Afainu. He reckons this guy is the next big thing. He's a prodigy. They reckon he's going to be a huge asset to, to the Tigers. But, you know, he's been great through the junior grades at, at Manly. And when I spoke to Mario, he just sung his praises. He couldn't stop talking about him. And he reckons that he's the real deal. So I'm not surprised because the raps that Samuela especially has on him, uh, it, it's a massive coup for the Tigers. And, you know, it, it's obviously hard when you're paying that, that much money for a bit of an unproven player, I guess, at first grade level. But given his track record through the grades, I think he's going to be a star. Latu as well, quality player. We, we saw them in action last Thursday night for the under-19s for New South Wales. And we know that they're quality players. A, a few clubs were bidding for their signatures. The Dolphins, I know, tabled an offer to them. Um, but that was withdrawn last week. So there's a bit of a bidding war for these two brothers. Uh, their other brother, Manasi, obviously had that huge court case. But he was a talented footballer during his time in the NRL. So it is, uh, that's what I'm hearing, uh, 60s. It's it's on the mark. Um, I know Mario well. So in all my discussions with him, he's wrapped these brothers and I think it's a, a good pickup and a handy pickup for the Tigers. But they're going to need a lot more than just the, the Fainu brothers to solve all their trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about them a little bit more the, as, a, as a club. But, John, it's really the, it's, it's quite an inexact science, isn't it, being able to predict what... How, how players tr will transition from junior football into senior football. But we've seen a bit of these boys in our coverage of junior representative matches. There's some talent there. Oh, no doubt. Um, Latu, back in when he was in the Harold Mats, lit the competition up. and I, up, I think he ended up being player of the tournament or competition that year. Um, they're big physical prospects. Uh, Samuel was a you know towering prop forward and Latu's pretty well sized for a 5'8". So there's no doubting... The, the physical capabilities there. But like you said, 60s, we've, me and you, we've, we've seen a lot of junior development sort of games in the pathways for Parramatta and beyond. And you talk about inexact sciences and you, you can see some absolute physical monsters and specimens that have all the tools, but just that jump to first grade, it is so significant um, that you're always taking a risk when you sign an unproven rookie to a, a big NRL deal. But the same token, I mean, the, the Tigers don't have much else re as a recourse, do they? Uh, no. you know, the proven NRL stars are turning them back left, right, and center. The, the handful of ones they did get in Appy Coruscant and Azai Papali'i, uh, in that sort of vein. I mean, Appy's been pretty good for him, but I, it's pretty um, fair to say Ice hasn't been anywhere near his best. So you're left banking on these uh, rookies. And look, I, I can't fault them. Yeah, yeah. And Samuela in particular, I mean, he's already uh, he's starting to prove already that he can handle NRL rugby league at a very young age so 
I I think they're on. I think they're on a, a an absolute winner with Samuela. And I, matter of fact, I don't know of anyone that I've spoken to about this who's had a knock on on Samuela as a footballer or, or has any doesn't even have the slightest shred of doubt that he's going to be a star NRL player. Um, also, um, Spiro, we've had Ethan mm. Sanders, our yeah. own Parramatta Eels, Ethan Sanders. He's he's still contracted to the Eels for next year, but he signed a deal with the Raiders, and the reported amount is around three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a season. Um, mm. Are you hearing a similar amount? And and uh, and what's your takes there on that move from uh, from Sanders? Well, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago off air, obviously, 60s. I mean, we were there um, at the NRLW trial and we, we spoke about this. There, were, there was a lot of interest in Ethan Sanders. He's a quality footballer. We've seen him through the grade. You guys have watched a lot of his football and he is just an absolute star. I mean, at Parramatta, unfortunately, the reality is that he's stuck behind Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown, who were both signed on long-term deals at the club. So... As much as I would have loved to see him stay, if he really wants to progress his career and he wants to play NRL, then he has to move. He had to move elsewhere. If you were to go to the Panthers, for example, once again, you're behind the likes of Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai, who I can't see moving away from the club. I know there's rumours about Luai. And then you look at Canberra, who with the other option, they've got someone there uh, in Jamal Fogarty, who is probably towards the end of his career. They've lost Jack Whiten. He's obviously moving to South from next year. So perfect opportunity. Um, and I think that under Ricky Stewart, he can really develop and grow as a player. He, he's fantastic and, you know, his, his skill level is just outstanding. But I think going to Canberra, um, no distractions, out of Sydney, he'll take his game to the next level. And as soon as he gets that crack at first grade, he will just absolutely thrive. And, and you mentioned the coin. I mean, three fifty a year, um, you know, for a halfback, you know, the reality is... But in the current market, what they're demanding, halfbacks, uh, you know, and and when you compare the market and what Sanders is getting, it's probably on point for a rookie, you know, that around that 350 mark. And the, the reality is that if you want big-name players or you want good players at your club, even if they're juniors, you have to throw money at them because a lot of clubs have open checkbooks. Uh, they've got big recruitment teams that are identifying talent from a young age. So I'm not surprised at all that he's gone to Canberra. I think that was probably the best fit for him. Uh, it's a it's a huge loss for Parramatta because, you know, he would have probably been the heir apparent to Mitchell Moses when he retired. But because Mitch has re-signed now and, and obviously Sanders wants to start playing uh, first grade, well, he had to make the move to Canberra. Who knows? He might move back to Parramatta eventually. But, yeah, he had to go elsewhere. I think it's a good move for him personally. I think it's a great pickup for Canberra. And I think that, you know, he deserves the point he's getting given the current climate and given the asking prices for halfbacks in the NRL and, and at first grade at the moment. Yeah, uh, John, I'll just come to you on this as well. We, we spoke a little bit about this signing uh, as because it broke as we were doing the news podcast. But uh, it, it's interesting because I just wonder whether there's an opportunity that he might even end up debuting in the NRL for Parramatta next year because he is contracted for next year. And I doubt that they're going to release him for next year because outside of outside of him at the moment there are no current halfbacks as such we've the Josh Lynn is there but um he's probably around the same level of development maybe 
arguably just slightly not quite at the same level of development at, as Sanders at this stage. But, uh, you know, whether they go with um, uh, Lynn as a halfback in New South Wales Cup next year remains to be seen. But um, how do you see this playing out? What's your thoughts on his departure, John? Yeah, the, the two sides of the argument come down to whether you think it's beneficial for the Eels to be developing a top sort of or blue chip prospect for a rival in a row club or whether you think it's important for the Eels to maintain their stocks as high as possible in order to win now or win in 2024. Um, I, I tend to think that uh, we hold firm for Ethan in 2024, and, and he ends up being, you know, your number one backup halfback option. I know Dejan Arce is going to be contracted to the club next June. He'll be another option in the halves below Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses. But if you're looking for an out-and-out halfback, a guy to come in and replace Mitchell Moses for state of origin, injury, or suspension the guy that's going to come in and give you that sort of similar kicking game and organisational capabilities would be Ethan Sanders. So, yeah, I think we hold on to him. That's the right course of action for us as a club and also the right course of action for Ethan too. You know, serving his apprenticeship under Mitchell Moses next year is far from the worst thing he could do for his NRL career in the long term. So I think for both parties, that is an ideal situation. Um, and, yeah, I think we should stay strong on that and keep him as our backup halfback option. I hearken back to Stefano Utokamanu, who uh, was signed at the start of the season by the West Tigers, and there were overtures to get him released early. The Eels held strong and said, no, we, we're not going to release him. They debuted Stefano in that season. He was needed in that season. He debuted, and then he moved on to the West Tigers the following year, it's not going to surprise me if it plays out that way. Um, I mean, of course, the other option is the Eels would just hold strong and just hold on, um, just have him in lower grades and don't play him in, in first grade. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, there's also a bit of news floating around or, or some rumours floating around, Spiro, about the Eels pursuing a return for Joey Lussick. Yeah, there is. It's been around for a little while now. Dave Riccio had written in the Daily Telegraph today that uh, Parramatta officials are in negotiations to bring Joey Lassick back, back to the club. Uh, they're hoping to strike a deal within the next 72 hours, and it could also include a contract for 2024. So it'd be for the remainder of this year as a backup because uh, touch wood if Brendan Hands goes down, who are you going to put into the hooking stocks? Um, so they obviously have a spot left on the roster that they can fill before August 1. And a big reason why they want Joey Lassick back at the club is because he's familiar with the systems, the players, the coaching staff, and that's a huge lure for Parramatta. Rather than having to start scratch with someone, uh, they're going to go with someone that's proven, that knows the systems. He was only at the club less than two years ago. And um, apparently as well, uh, Jake Simpkin from the Tigers is on the Eels' radar. He's been discussed as an option. But given that Joey Lassick has been at Parramatta, he knows the way it works there. He's prior knowledge of um, our style of play, well, they want to lure him back. So it looks like they're hoping to strike a deal so we can expect an announcement in the next couple of days. Who knows? He might even uh, be ready and available and here for the Melbourne game, which is next Friday. But, you know, he'd be racing the clock to get here in time for that. It'd be more sort of uh, the last five weeks of the competition, our last sort of five games of the year or four games of the year, really, plus finals. So he, he might, might be a handy pickup, I think, you've got to have a bit of an insurance policy because you can never know what will happen with injuries. And given Hodgson's been ruled out for the season, I think it's probably 
the best bet and, and they'd be able to get him for a decent price as well. He wouldn't be asking too much. So they can lure him across and have him there next year as a backup as well. Yeah, well, they certainly can't afford to go further into the season with at risk of not having a, a backup dummy half. We mentioned this earlier when we were talking about the Finu brothers, but I just wanted to get your personal take on this, Spiro. The Tigers, the West Tigers, from a mm. media perspective, like just when you, you know, media's looking at what, what's circulating around in the NRL at any time, are the West Tigers the gift that keeps on giving? I think that's the best way to put it, 60s. I mean, there's always a headline about the Tigers and, Part of this issue for me stems to the fact that there's a leaker within their ranks. There's someone there who's obviously leaking. Um, there are a few rumours about who that might be and uh, certain club officials and their relationship with journalists. But it is it is an issue. They are the gift that keeps on giving. And in a way, it's a shame because it would have been great to see the Tigers have a good year and get the major off their back. But they're staring down the barrel of two uh, back-to-back wooden spoons. And that's not good enough. I mean, for a club that recruited in the off-season so heavily and they put together a side and a roster that everyone thought would be competitive, having, you know, a premiership winner in Api Korosau, having a, you know, grand finalist in uh, Isaiah Papali'i, Charlie Staines going to the club as well, David Klemmer. They recruited, they they bought so many players into the club, but some serious questions need to be asked. I mean, they bought Scott Fulton in now as their recruitment manager. But some questions need to be asked about some of those recruitment decisions because they're probably paying overs for Isaiah Papali'i given sort of what he's done this year. I know he had a, a great couple of years at Parramatta, which which bumped up his asking price. And then bringing someone like David Clemmer, you know, he hasn't been terrible for them, but, you know, he's towards the end of his career. John Bateman as well, another one I didn't mention there. So much expectation around the Tigers and they aren't delivering. And they unfortunately, they deserve the pylon in the media because I feel that their front office isn't in order. They're, you know, their executives obviously have lost a bit of control in Lee Hadjipantelis and Justin Pascoe, and there's there's not enough cohesion amongst the club. Obviously, the tension between Benji and Scott Fulton, that's now resolved, apparently. But there's always a headline about the Tigers, you know, and um, a lot of rumours and a lot of rumblings and whispers about the future of Tim Machines and also the future of Benji Marshall at the club. So watch this space. Um, but there might be, you know, some interesting movements and developments uh, in the weeks ahead at the Tigers. Don't be surprised. Oh, look, I wouldn't be surprised if there's plenty of rumours out there which don't even get spoken about that uh, are just seen as, look, no, we don't want to touch this. Like, the, you know, the media might look at it and go, you know, like, I'm not going to touch this at the moment. You know, we'll see what plays out there. There were uh, predictions from former players even before the season started that there was going to be leaks out of the club. And that was the interesting thing that, you know, like the prediction wasn't how the club's going to go, but simply there will be leaks out of the club this year. And it's played true to that. Um, John and I, it's, it gives us, a, you know, a little bit of extra to talk about, it seems, most weeks in the news podcast. Mm-hmm. John, they, 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 are the, they are a gift that gives to us as well, aren't they? I mean, I've got a bit of a, a crick in my knee for putting a boot in that many times this year, but... Uh, yeah, they, they certainly do pump the news cycle. There's just something always going on there. And, and like your boy sort of alluded to, uh, and sort of as, as adjacent to that you know, famous Jack Gibson quote, that it starts or winning starts in the front office, and they've got it wrong there. And it's no surprise mm. that they've been you know, over a decade outside the finals now uh, because of it. They're just 
they, they have a messy front office, haven't been able to have any stability in their football operations as a result. And even when they do recruit well, like their recruits on paper were outstanding this year. And you've seen good efforts from, in particular, Appy Coruscant and Dave Clemens being all right. Ice has had some decent games as well, but just it's not enough. You know, they, they just got so much wrong over there that the, the equation is so horribly imbalanced when it comes to finding a winning formula. Well, Lee Hedgepentalis on 360 the other night said words to the effect of, uh, we have, you know, we've significantly improved our roster, yet it's not showing in performances to this stage, but it is a much stronger roster. And I'm thinking, hmm, that's a, <laughs> it's an interesting statement that a significantly improved roster isn't showing in the performances. So are you sending a message there about um, the coaching that are you sending a message about um, the individuals and how they're aiming up? Uh, what's your message there? Because if you've got a much stronger roster, but it's not showing in how they're performing, what's going on? Yeah, like it, yeah. it just seemed it seemed like a I don't know whether it was just a, a statement designed to placate supporters that good times are going to happen because the roster is stronger. Or was it a shot across worked the bow. against them? Yeah. Or, or is it a or is he is he firing a shot at at someone there? So mm. any, yeah, anyway, fellas, we've got two big matches now that we need to preview. So um, let's go to the um, Eels and Cowboys preview. John, can you run us through the team list? Yeah, seven thirty five PM kickoff up at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville. It was there last year, boys, in that incredible comeback victory in the grand final qualifier. Let's look at the Cowboys quickly. Uh, they've got a very good team. They're starting to, well, I say starting, they're in the midst of a really great run after a slow start to the season, much or not too dissimilar to the Parramatta Eels. Uh, Scott Drinkwater, who was on the cusp of origin selection, he's their fullback. Sammy Valame and Murray Talangi uh, on the wings. Valentine Holmes and Peter Hicko in the centres. Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend, who is their captain in the halves. Jordan McQueen, Reese Robson, and Colin Hess are the front row. Luciano Leilua, Jeremiah Nane, and Ruben Cotter in the back row. Jake Granville, Griffin Neem, Jason Taumalolo, and uh, Kulakefu Finafuyaki in the interchange. Extended roster, Zach Labor, Jermaine Tanoa-Brown, Sam McIntyre, Ben Hampton, and Mitchell Dunn. Pretty good roster, boys. Uh, lots of strike in that back line, a really solid forward pack, and some uh, dynamic runners of the ball across Drinkwater and Dearden in particular. Yeah, Spiro, can you take us through the, the players that really stand out for you and the, the ones that you think are going to have a, the biggest impact in this game? Yeah, I think Scotty Drinkwater, it's hard to go past him at fullback. He obviously was called into the New South Wales side to be in the squad uh, for game three. I think he's a, a quality player and he's had an absolute blinder of a season. Um, you know, he, he's just finding the line very, very easily and he was fantastic in the Cowboys last match up in Townsville against the Tigers, where they put on that absolute shellacking. So he, he's a real target for me. You know, we need to really shut Scotty Drinkwater down if we're any chance of restricting the Cowboys and, you know, holding them back, I guess, from putting up a, you know, a big score. So we need to be really crucial in our defence and our structures around Scotty Drinkwater. Um, I think, obviously, Murray Taolung, is a, a real talent out on the wing. Um, we've seen what he's capable of at an origin level for the Maroons, but in clubland as well, he, he's a quality player. Um, in the forwards, I mean, it's a really strong pack when you look at it. Front row and back row, they've got, you know, star power everywhere. Ruben Cotter off the back of his origin series, he's a real danger man. So, you know, you, you want to you wanna limit his involvements and his impacts in the game. 
Um, I think that the front row, if you're going to pick any sort of weakness, McLean and Hess, um, you know, they're, they're, they're quality players. But if there's any part of their team which you can say is a bit of a weakness, you'd say it's, it's in their front row. But Reese Robson, uh, you know, a fantastic hooker. He's obviously got, you know, a fair number of games under his belt now. But in terms of the forward pack, I think Cotter's the man that you need to shut down. Having Tamalolo on the bench, I mean, what an asset. What an asset he is to be able to come on uh, and provide impact. You know, who knows when they're going to bring him on. He'll have fresh legs. He'll, you know, he'll be a huge, huge in for the Cowboys when they bring him onto the field. Um, and Jake Granville as well playing in a milestone match. I think it's his 200th. He's just re-signed with the club. He's a versatile and a, a handy replacement as well. So they're the, they're the ones you need to look out for. Mainly Tamalolo on the bench, Cotter in the forwards, and Scott Drinkwater in the back line for mine. Uh, John, having uh, Spiro's just mentioned Jason Tamalolo off the bench, you've already got someone like Luciano Leilua who starts the game in the back row and he's really he's he's got he's not always consistent but he's got that x factor quality in that you you don't know what he's going to produce at any time and then they're able to bring on another x huge x factor in jason Talmalolo. that that's that to me spells trouble for the eels but what's your takes on that yeah look as much as we spoke about last week where the eels had the advantage in the interchange over the gold coast titans it's going to be interesting to see what we can do this week with those second rotation players. Tamalolo, you know, we're so used to him being a mainstay in the starting pack at lock forward, but he comes in here as an interchange middle. And I suppose you sort of match him up against Ryan Madison for us. And and I know Maddo is doing some fantastic things for us, but it's still a high benchmark to set against. So you're looking at the other players on the interchange to pick up that slack. And yeah, the, the Gold Coast Titans, that back row, and this is a back row Sands Hill and Lukey as well. We had even more depth to that uh, edge uh, cupboard of, of uh, talent, really. Um, so, yeah, th- this is fascinating. Um, putting, a, putting a lid on Cotter and Tamalolo will probably be criti- uh, critical for that ruck. Uh, you know, Ruben Cotter, the reigning Wally Lewis medalist from the origin win for the, the Maroons, just a ball of energy. You know, he's undersized, but it doesn't really stop him. He just is so effective because he's involved tirelessly. And then, you know, the luxury of bringing Tamalolo into a game and not burden him with taking up all the carries like he used to, where he used to, you know, consistently churn out 200 metres. Now he can be more selective and effective in his runs. So putting a little in those two plays is probably the key for me when it comes to matching up in the forwards. Yeah. Now, can you run us through the Eels team list? Yeah, a couple of enforced changes for the Parramatta Eels on the back of those two suspensions coming out of the round 21, sorry, round 20 victory against the Gold Coast Titans for round 21. Um, so obviously no Reagan Campbell-Gillard, no Mike Acevo. Reg out initially for, what, four weeks of the old guilty plea. Micah was free, but with that uh, failure to get the bid for a downgrade, he was bumped up to four weeks as well, so we're going to see them in a month. So the Eels line up like this with the captain, Quinton Gufferson, at fullback. Acevo um, still named on the wing, but we're expecting Hayes Dunster to come into the team based on what we've seen from the training galleries. Will Penasini, Bowie Simons are in the centres. Sean Russell on the right flank. Dejan Arcee and Mitchell Moses are in the halves. Offahiki Ogden comes into the starting team to replace Reg. He'll partner Junior Barlow as the two bookends for Brendan Hands. Sean Lane on the left edge. Bryce Cartwright on the right. Jermaine Hopgood lock forward. On the interchange, Luca Moretti, Joe Ofengahi, Andrew Davey, and Ryan Madison. Extended roster. We already talked about him, but Hayes Dunster is the 18th man. Matt Cassie Makatoa, Wanga Blake, Kai Rodwell, and Jack Murchie. Grant Atkins holds the whistle for this one, boys. 
You've got Kennedy on one sideline, no other touchy listed, but Chris Butler in the box as the senior review official. Mm, okay. Um, well, I'm going to leave that aside. <laughs> official do. <laughs> um, the, uh, Spiro, the, the Eels' absences, um, mm. first of all, what's that impact going to be like for Parramatta? And then, then, then secondly, who's going to bring it for us? Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, no, Mike and Reg, um, disappointing. I mean, especially RCG, off the back of his origin campaign, he had a, a career-high um, run meter figure for the Blues in Game 3. He, he just he didn't give up all night. You know, he was just fantastic. And he was really good last week as well against um, the Titans, scored that opening try. And he was just really important for our, our, our win through the middle and, and the way that we played our football uh, in the forwards, so he's going to be a, a huge loss for us. I think Opie Ogden is a you know a handy replacement. I'm a big Opie Ogden fan. I think he's a quality player, but just Reg, you know, just the passion, the heart that he runs with, um, and his impact through the middle is going to be missed. Um, in terms of Seba, I think I think Mike has had a pretty good year. I know people have got sort of mixed reviews. Obviously, he's he's scoring lots of tries, but just the way he's running the ball and the way that they've got him as second receiver, I think, has worked fantastically well for us in terms of the meterage that he's making. And you bring in someone like Hayes Dunstan that's only played five games this year, and that's for a reason as well. I mean, a, a, a selection choice there by Brad Arthur, not to have him in the team and to have Sean Russell on the wing, it's specific and it's for a reason. So I'm not super confident with Hayes on the wing. Um, you know, he doesn't have the size that Micah has as well. I mean, we underestimate that at times that, his size is such an important part of our back line and, and his position there on the wing. So it'll be tough without those two there. Um, I like the bench. I think having Luca Moretti is a good choice. Um, Offhand Gowie as well and Davey and Madison, I think, works well. It's a strong bench. It's no rival to having Jason Tamalolo on our bench. You know, our Maddo is probably our equivalent. But, yeah, it, it's going to be a hard game. And we're going to talk about the conditions in a moment. I think our forward pack's strong. Um, having Lane and Cartwright in the second row. Cartwright's been brilliant this year. I think he's had probably his best year, you know, in a, a little while since he was at Penrith, his career best uh, season in my eyes. And Hopgood at Lock is a, a great pick as well. So it's going to be tough, but I think that, um, you know, it's going to be hard for us in the background, in the back line, no Micah, and Reg will be missed through the middle, no doubt. John, same question to you. How 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 do we cope without those players and, and who's going to bring it? In a way, you could argue that the loss of Micah, no, I'm not insignificant. Uh, mechanically, wouldn't change too much for us. We haven't been venturing too far wide down the left edge in recent weeks. A lot of our play has been limited towards the uh, back row, Sean Lane getting involved there, and uh, a lot more play being directed down our right via Mitchell Moses, Bryce Cartwright, Will Penasini, and Sean Russell. So perhaps the Eels can mitigate the loss of Micah in that regard. Uh, by focusing more on you know sort of edge of ruck uh, stuff on the left and then really taking it to the right with Mitchell Moses and Quentin Gufferson. Um, in saying that, you know, Micah, he's very good under the high ball defensively um, and can be a real difference maker in the red zone when he get, gets a chance to be featured downhill attacking the goal line. So that is a loss. For Reg, I mean, there's no sugarcoat in it. You know, he's one of the best props in the game. Uh, we're going to pay for his momentary brain lapse badly. A month out is huge, and while I, I agree with Spiro, Ogden is having a really nice season in the opportunities he's had in the NRL this year. Reg is, you know, world-class. So huge boots for him to fill. And also the fact that 
it's not a like-for-like replacement. There is no real like-for-like replacement for Reg in the back row, or in the front row, sorry. Uh, You know, he's just got an incredible motor, uh, plays such a a relentless north-south game. Ogden, for me, profiles more to be sort of like Junior Barlow-esque. So I've got to be uh, cognizant of that as we play this game that we're going to have to lean on the rotation a little bit more. Uh, And so, yeah, replacing those two, tough. That's the way, I suppose, to, to put it in a word, tough, but especially Reg. I mean, he's so good. And I expect that Madison will probably be the guy to maybe uh, pick up the slack there in that role as a so like a moonlighting, uh, non-starting but primary forward. And I expect him to have a, a big game with big minutes uh, in the void that is Reagan Campbell-Gillard's suspension. Yeah, look, I think we miss, we'll miss Micah as much for defence as anything else. His, his reading with the jam of uh, jam defence, although that tackle was basically from jamming in, and that's got him in trouble. His his defensive reads have been pretty good this year, knowing when to stay out, when to when to when to come in. Uh, you mentioned about his takes under the high ball; he's improved exponentially there. Uh, we we've spoken about with Hayes; he's he's um, he's had struggles coming back from what was the most significant injury, probably you'd you'd likely to have with um, with a, a, a knee injury. Um, so it's it's no surprise that it's been a bit of a struggle this year. Um, my concern is the the Cowboys have the sort of impact players that I don't know that the Eels have, and especially seeing Talmalolo on the bench. Ryan Madison brings an impact off the bench, but it's not the same sort of impact. He's he will he's just such a consistently strong performer, Ryan Madison. When he comes on, he's, he he makes the tackles. He has good carries, but Talmalolo is an explosive player, and in all likelihood, I don't know whether it's going to be that he it's uh, that he comes on for Leilua, but Leilua himself is an explosive player. So they've got great options. Whether it's um, a like for like replacement or whether Talmalolo comes on at lock, um, whatever the case may be for where Talmalolo comes on. He's going to bring that power, and that that is what concerns me. Now, Spiro, we just touched on a moment ago the conditions. How are the conditions going to impact this game? It's always a big one. When we head up to Townsville, I think we handled it perfectly the last time around. The heat would have been a much bigger factor playing there in September compared to sort of end of July. Um, but it's warm, and I think that it, it will fa- favour the Cowboys, no doubt about that. Last time around, when we went up there, a lot of the focus was around uh, adjusting and acclimatising ourselves to the weather and to what we were going to face in terms of humidity and temperature. So I think it, it'll play a factor. We've handled it well in the past, but that's when that's sort of been the front and mind of the focus. I think the front and mind of the focus this week is making sure that our combinations with uh, Ogden and, and Hayes coming into the side are working well and and obviously putting in a more convincing performance because last week we were good against the Titans. I think it was an, an important win and we played well, but we didn't put it together for the full 80 and they'll want to do that against the Cowboys because they're red hot at the moment. So as important as the conditions are, I think they favour the Cowboys. I think front of mind this week for us has been about making sure that our team's right and that may... may uh, you know, playing into the Cowboys' hands and disadvantage us a little bit that we haven't focused around the conditions too much. So how do you see the Eels looking to win this game? And then conversely, how do you see the Cowboys trying to win this game? 
I think the Cowboys are going to try and win it through the middle. I mean, we've spoken about their forward pack when you got Cotter, Nane, Leilua, uh, Hessen, McLean up front, plus you've got Tamalolo on the bench. They are really going to try and win it through the middle. Parramatta, on the other hand, and I think that, that Fordy spoke about this as well, we've got to really utilise the running game of Mitchell Moses because I think that that's been fantastic for us the last couple of weeks and in origin as well. Whenever Mitch is taking on the line, I feel confident and I feel that you know we're in a good place. And I think Gutho as well, a lot of responsibility on his shoulders um, to really step up and, and create some moments of brilliance like he did last week against the Titans. So I think for the Cowboys, it's definitely through the middle. Their forward pack is is world class. It is, you know, arguably one of the best in the competition right now at the moment. Having the luxury of Tamalolo and Neem on the bench, uh, Griffin Neem on the bench, you know, huge. Um, so Parramatta will really be looking to, you know, get the get that ball out to our back line and trying to produce some sort of brilliance to uh, to try and and beat this this Cowboy side who are absolutely flying at the moment. Um, same for you, John. What's how do you see each team looking to win the game? Yeah, I mean, I feel like our game against the Titans was not a prelude, but uh, in a way a good warm-up to this because uh, it, it, both teams in the Gold Coast Titans and the North Queensland Cowboys feature really solid forward packs uh, with some really good workhorse players. Obviously, you've got Tino Fa'asul Malawi and Mo Fodawaka for the Titans in particular, but Ruben Cotter uh, really jumps out here, but Tamalo off the bench as well. Uh, but plenty of strikeout wide too. And in a way, Jaden Campbell and, and Scotty Drinkwater play similar with the ball in hand with that elusiveness and ability to threaten uh, both sides of the ruck. So I, I think that not necessarily puts us in a you know good stead, but it, it does give us a chance to have played against a team that has some similarities. So I think that, yeah, like Spiro said, they're going to look to dominate the ruck. Um, any good team in the modern game, it, it always starts in the ruck. Uh, so they'll be looking to really gain ascendancy there. And uh, who knows if the officiating what we're going to get in terms of six agains and penalties and all those sort of things. That'll be a big factor on which team gets the ascendancy through the middle. Um, but yeah, well, I'll tell you which team will get the least number of penalties. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a near certainty, isn't it? Uh, regardless of who's got the main whistle, but I think Atkins in this case would also... Uh, our record under Atkins isn't great. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we do get caned here. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, the, the strike power out wide they've got is also incredible. Murray Talonghi is an outstanding ringer, winger, obviously representative player, Valentine Holmes as well. Uh, Peter Hick, who had a really good year last year, he's been a little bit down compared to what we saw in 2022, but still a good player. And Semi Valame, well, I know that Canberra fans were happy to see the back of him, but he's been really good for them. He's bagged a whole ton of tries, been a really solid contributor from the uh, back three. So for the Eels, it's going to be about absorbing that early pressure 100%. Um, and then, you know, trying to win the long game with uh, the likes of Sean Lane, Bryce Cartwright, Jermaine Hopgood in the back row. I think Junior's going to have to be leaned on here in a big way. Uh, no Reagan Campbell-Gillard means he is the, the lone, really experienced starting middle. Uh, Joe Ofengahi could be important in that regard too, working as a battery alongside Ryan Madison. So, yeah, our, our starters and rotators need to be on point. They need to be real sharp around the rock. And then he's got to give Mitchell Moses and Quinton Garfison the opportunities to win this game. Because if you give them those chances, you back them to take him. I mean, Mitch got one shot at field goal last week. He he had offside players push, uh, pressuring him. He aced it. Same with Quinton Gufferson. He, he scored a, a career highlight try from nothing and also set up the game-winning play with an incredible cross-field kick for Bowie Simonson. So those two boys just need a chance. 
And if our, our team can give them that platform, then I'll back us to win and, and probably what would be a, a fairly narrow victory, uh, somewhere between anywhere from two to ten points, I think. Okay, so let's get into those scores. First of all, Spiro, your predicted score, your first try scorer, and then your prediction of who's going to be best on field. And this is always a hard one. I'm not the best with predictions, but I'm going to say Parramatta 1-10. to 10. Uh, Let's say it's going to be 24-18, to 18, Parramatta's way. I think it'll, it'll be a fairly high-scoring affair. Um, first try scorer, I reckon Mitchell Moses. I don't know. I've just got a feeling that Mitch might go over first. And best on ground, Gutho. I think he's going to pull off a, a real courageous effort. He was fantastic last week. I think up there, he'll be gutsy. Uh, he'll put in a really good performance and he'll really step up given the absence of some of our other stars and there'll be pressure on him. But Gutho always plays well under pressure. So, yeah, Parramatta to win. 1 to 10, 24-18. Um, I'm going to go, as I said, first try score on Moses and best on ground, Clint Gutherson. Okay, 40. Yeah, I'm going to go just under 52.5 total uh, with the Eels winning 30 to 22. Uh, first try scorer we saw Reg get over last week so I'm going to back Junior to work with Brendan Hands and get over this week and if he doesn't get over I think he might be instrumental to the first try uh, best on field Ooh. maybe Sean Lane he, I, I thought he built nicely last week after a not, not horrid but a rusty return the week before against the Warriors and um, I think that he could be if we're going to get the left edge firing and we're talking about no Mike Acevo, no Dylan Brown. If the left edge is going to be a factor for the Eels, I think Sean Lane uh, working with Bowie Simonson is going to be critical to it. Yeah, I'm predicting high scoring as well. 28-24 to the Eels. First try scorer, maybe Brendan Hands for a sneaky one out of dummy half. And best on field, you know, I'm liking what you're thinking about Sean Lane. I've got a feeling it's going to be Gutho best on field. It's hard uh, to go past him, isn't it? He's just so it, it, is, it is really hard. And, and even after he had a real un-Gutho-like moment last week when he, he dropped that ball under the in front of the posts and right before halftime, which gave the Titans the two-point lead after they got the scrum penalty. Um, you know, he, he then, as you said, brought out some really huge moments later in the game. And I think he's going to really take on board the importance of this game and deliver for the Eels. Now, fellas, we move on to the excitement of the NRLW season opening match for the Eels where they take on one of the new teams in the West Tigers. Um, it's the debut match for the Tigers. It's at a big venue stadium in, in Combank Stadium at Parramatta. Uh, it, I mean, Spiro, that in itself is a, is a big deal. It's huge. It's a standalone fixture as well. So there's no NRL game after. There's no NRL, NRLW game after. So it's the main game, and it's a huge thing because it's the first time that Parramatta have done this. And as you mentioned, coming up against the Tigers, it's their first ever game in the NRLW. They've recruited really well. And there are a few former Parramatta Eels NRLW stars in their team, which I'm sure uh, 40s will go through. Yeah, just a few. So, John, can you go through the Tigers team list first? Yeah, captaining them is a very familiar face for us. Botil Vetti Walsh, she's at fullback. One of the superstars of the game. They got ruled out with that ACL injury she sustained for us at the very end of our maiden NRLW season. Uh, on the wings, they've got Jakia Whitfield and Josie Lenars, who is, uh, as we believe, 60s the sister of Jersey Fleck prospect for the Parramatta Eels, Nicholas. So cool to see that familial connection there. 
In the centres, another former eel, Rakia Horn, one of your favourite 60s. She was a great player for us. you got Leanne Tufanga as the other centre. Pauline uh, Pelay Rasavale is a 5'8". Emily Curtin at the halfback. Then you've got Sarah Togatuki, one of their prime high-profile recruits there at prop forward, with Christian Pio, another former eel on the front row. Ebony Pryor is the dummy half. Kezi Apps, another outstanding recruit. Eliza Silata and Najvada George rounding out their starting back row. George, obviously, another former eel. On the interchange, Sophie Curtin, Lasana Lutu, Taylor Osborne, and Falau Vaki. Extend the roster, Jessica Kennedy, Rebecca Pollard, Bianca Bennett, Salma Noir, and Imogen Gobran. Uh, and I haven't got the coach there, but I know that uh, Mary Kay mentioned his name yesterday. But, yeah, a very well-put-together team, honestly. There's um, some strike there, obviously, with Botilvedi Welsh, Kezi Apps, uh, Sarah Togatuki, and, um, yeah, some really good, sensible recruitment to get a pretty well-balanced team. Who stands out for you in, in their team list, Spira? They've got star power right across the park. For me, the experience in the forwards, Sarah Togatuki is a, a great recruit for the Tigers. Kezi Apps and her experience in Nevada, George, as well, compared to a Parramatta side that's probably lacking a bit of experience and finesse. You know, Ruby Jean Kennard, um, you know, he's really her first full season in the NRLW, starting at prop. Uh, Ruben Charrington as well, a real talent, but, you know, this is her first opportunity to start at hooker in an NRL game, uh, NRLW game. Kennedy's obviously going to be huge for us, but I just feel that the, the, the forwards for the Tigers are going to make a huge difference. Um, in terms of Bovetti Welsh, you mentioned her. It's going to take her time to get back into the swing of things. It's been a little while since she's played an RLW. Rakia Horn, and a, a real talent for the Tigers in the centres. But I just feel that in the forwards and on the bench as well, having Lasana Lutu there and Sophie Curtin as well, huge assets for the Tigers. So that's they're the ones that stand out for me. Okay, John, can you take us through the um, Eels Lineup. Mm-hmm. Starting at fullback, we've got one of our returning players in Abbey Church, formerly playing centre and wing. She gets her shot at the custodial role. On the flanks, though, we've got Zali Fay and Cassie Toyhiku, a couple of young speedsters. Really looking forward to them this year. Mahalia Murphy and Chantel Stowers are the new recruits at centres. Murphy, a real powerhouse on that right edge. At the uh, 5 8 position, one of the new faces, Pahuka Berryman Duff. Touch football background, we'll talk about her shortly. Captain the team or co-captain the team at halfback is Rachel Pearson. In the front row, one of the new recruits, Elsie Albert. She's going to be really important to how the Eels can dictate terms around the ruck. She's working alongside Ruby Jean Kennard-Ellis as the prop forwards. Ruby Charrington, the dummy half. In the back row, Amelia Murphy, Talisha O'Neill, and the other co-captain and absolute energizer bunny, Kennedy Charrington. On the interchange, the uh, reserve dummy half, Capri Payakau. Jay Vanilla, Shannon Muru, and Madeline Jones. Extended roster, Monique Donovan, Kyra Simon, Kimberly Hunt, Rosemary Beckett, and Nakia Davis-Welsh. Todd Smith got the whistle for this one. So the girls actually get one of the best referees in our opinion in the game to call their opening uh, round of the, or opening game of the season. I, I actually think that that is a really good appointment to uh, an NRLW match, just as, as an aside. But um, Spiro, who's going to be the key players for the Eels in in winning this match? Rachel Pearson's obviously a huge asset for us. A new recruit in the off-season, state of origin, halfback come across from the Dragons. I think that her ability to steer this team around the park and the experience that she brings to the side is, is going to be huge. So keep an eye out for Rachel Pearson in that back line. Really excited to see Abby Church with another season under her belt, seeing what she can do at fullback. And Zali Faye on the wing as well, played for New Zealand in the All-Stars match for the Maori side. So 
So keen to see Zali Faye season. And, of course, Kennedy Charrington. Um, she's our marquee, our big name, para through and through. She lives and breathes the club. Um, so I think Kennedy's going to be crucial to all of our performances this year, but especially in our opening game against the Tigers at home, co-captaining the team. So Kennedy's, Kennedy's mind to watch, but also Pearson in the halves and, and Faye and Church uh, in the back line. Yeah, no surprise to see this as the lineup that the Eels were going to start the season with, given the performances in the trial. It was a very good trial result. We saw how well the Eels work off the back of Rachel Pearson's kicking game. And uh, we also got to see some long-distance tries. So we saw the pace in the backs, the uh, the power in the forwards backing up that really backed up Pearson's kicking game. Uh, that was with the, the opponents of the Dragons. It was, of course, a trial match. There were lots of interchanges, uh, basically teams swapping around at, at every uh, at every break. It was played in third, so at every break there was uh, massive team changes on both teams. So it was, although we got a bit of a picture, it's still, there wasn't the uh, level of attrition as there is uh, across the full halves and full game. But John, who's who stands out for you as being instrumental in the Eels winning this game? Yeah, I mean, you immediately gravitate towards those experienced uh, cornerstone players, Pearson at halfback, Albert in the front row, Charrington at lock. Uh, they're the, the three sort of cornerstone players. Uh, but I really like the uh, what the flankers pre- uh, represent here in Faye and Toy Hiku. I think they're going to be able to maximise their opportunities. But for me, the player that I'm really intrigued about, and I, I figure that Rachel Pearson is going to hopefully free her up to be a little bit more heads up in how she attacks this game, but Bahuka Berryman Duff has that touch football background that some of the best halves prospects in the game have. You're talking about Taryn Aiken, Tamika Upton, Haley Maddock, Ash Quinlan, who was a former Eagle herself. Um, the ability to play fast and at speed and, and really attack that line of confidence comes from that touch football background. Um, so if the Eels can really put Pahuka into a position to be positive with her football, I think she could be a real difference maker for us. And Spiro, there's obviously a lot of unknown because... Both teams are real. Well, obviously the Tigers are a new franchise, but the Eels basically reassembled the roster as a lot of the teams did. It's massive changes from last season to this season. Um, even given the unknown, how do you see each team aiming to win this game? It's look. It's hard to say. I mean, the, the Tigers, as I mentioned, their their forward pack, Kezia. Former, you know, or she's a she's still a blue. She's still a Blues co-captain, Christian Pio as well. I think we saw what she could do last year, and Sarah Togatuki was brilliant at the Roosters as well. So I think that that it'll be hard for Parramatta to really win the battle in the forwards. I know they've got Elsie Albert there and they got Kennedy, but just yeah, Ruby Jean Kennard still getting a feel for it. Even Murphy as well, and and Talisha O'Neill who's coming back to the NRLW after a little bit of a hiatus. I think they're going to really struggle in that battle through the forwards. Um, and in the back line, Abby Church at fullback, I think she's going to be the one to watch. I think that they're going to need to get her clean ball. Um, you mentioned, Rachel, I mentioned Rachel Pearson as well. It'll all come down to her, how she steers the team around the park and, and how she directs the side. So it's hard to say. A lot of changes for both teams, but I think that, that the Tigers through the middle are going to be too strong. Parramatta are really going to need to aim up in defence. Um, and they're going to need to make sure that their halfback, Rachel Pearson, steps up to the plate and puts in a really good performance. And Kennedy Charrington, of course, you know, as that energizer bunny in that role, 
gets this team up for it, for the game because the Tigers are gonna they're gonna want it they're gonna be hungry for the win in their first ever game their inaugural NRLW feature Brett Kamali uh, their coach so it's it's hard to say which way this is gonna go, this which way this is gonna go but I think the Tigers are gonna be too strong in the forwards Parramatta really need their backline to step up. Well, we'll get your actual score predictions in a minute. But, um, John, uh, anything you'd like to add to that for how this game plays out? Yeah, it's interesting because the Eels have the advantage when it comes to franchise experience with a couple of NRLW seasons under their belt now, whereas the Tigers are the new girls on the block. Uh, But they do have the experience of a Harvey Norman's women's premiership team as well as uh, a good recruitment that sort of dipped into that. A lot of players that rep them in the, the reserve grade fixture. So... Yeah, it sort of makes it tough to split them because while the, the Eels have the home field advantage, and I think that could be crucial, the Combank uh, home ground crowd. Um, yeah, the, the Tigers do have some really good strike among their marquee recruits, Vete Walsh and Togatuki and Apps. Um, I, I will tip my hat towards the Eels here on the back of a, a good home ground advantage, uh, but I think the Tigers can really challenge us. Okay, so let's get those score predictions. The first try score of the best on field, Spiro. Um, for like a score prediction, I don't think it's going to be too high scoring as is the case with a lot of these NRLW games. I think it's going to be probably 14-10 in favour of Parramatta. A, a tight four-point win is what I'm predicting at home. Um, first try scorer, Kennedy Charrington. I'm confident that she'll just be bursting with excitement first game of the season. So Kennedy as a first try scorer and best on field. I'm going to go with Zali Faye. I think she's going to bag a try as well. Um, and, and her skill out wide is going to be crucial to Parramatta and winning this game. John? Yeah, like I said, I'll tip a Parramatta win. Um, oh, geez, the margin's tough. Maybe uh, 24 to 18. Um, I, I think for that to happen, we really need Kennedy and uh, Elsie to step up and lay that platform in the middle. Uh, going to lean on them heavily for big minutes. Uh, and outside of that, yeah, I, I really like the back threes, the scoring options here, Church, uh, Faye, and Toi Hiku. So I think the first try comes through one of them. Um, maybe if uh, Spiro's predicting Faye to get on the board, I'll go for CTH, uh, Toi Hiku to get on board first. Best on field, I think it's going to be tough to split Pearson and Kennedy Charrington. So uh, take your pick from those two. Okay, I'm going to predict a... 20 to 14 win to the Eels. I think first try scorer. I'm going to go for uh, Talisha Quinn to get across first try scorer. So uh, a try on the edge and best on field, Rachel Pearson in that. So I think it's going to be an intriguing match. I've got my ticket ready to uh, get out there on Sunday and cheer on the Eels. Spiro, that brings us to um, our point where we thank you for joining us for the preview. Um, again, looking forward to Saturday at Parramatta Leagues Club. Can't wait, guys. Just once again, a quick plug, quick reminder. 1 to 10 this Saturday in Jack's Bar and Grill, the continuous pool team broadcasting live from Parramatta Leagues. The star-studded panel, Mark Levy, the big mom, Paul Gallen, Mark Piggy Riddell, Shane Flanagan, Matt Thompson and Chris Warren. You'll get the chance to meet all the boys, take photos, get your autographs. We've got prizes on offer. You'll be able to watch the boys call two games live as well as the fun and frivolity between one and five. So make sure you're there. Looking forward to meeting uh, some of the TCT fans that come along and obviously looking forward to catching up with you 60s and 40 as well if you're you're along. 
looking forward to seeing you guys there at uh, Leagues Club on Saturday. Mate, it's good. And what better venue than to actually be in the bar where you can get a feed, a drink, and listen to the footy talk? I, no, I was going to mention that, 60. Your line, grab a pizza, grab a beer, and come and watch the continuous call team. If you've got eyes bigger than your stomach, there's a pretty good schnitzel challenge there too as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey, oh, um, yeah. Can you explain that a bit further? Well, it's not an official challenge, but they've got a, a good a good size schnitzel on the menu that would take, I think, most people two or three uh, sort of uh, contributors to get down. But it's uh, yeah on a ni- nice big wooden board and it comes in with some sauce and sides, some salad. Um, so, if, like I said, if your eyes are bigger than your stomach, uh, you can order that one. Mm, yeah. I might have to give that a go. Yeah, just over forty dollars for that. It's a, it's a, it's the biggest schnitzel you'd ever see. As as forty said, well, uh, Yoko ordered it the other week when we were there, and mm. she had no idea what she was about <laughs> to get. And then when it came out on the board, I, this is no exaggeration. Uh, well, um, the three of us. So there was myself, forty. And uh, and Yoko digging into the schnitzel, like taking bits of it. We the three of us couldn't finish it. It was um, yeah, it was it was an almighty uh, piece of food to to get through. So people might want to have a crack at that. But uh, I warn them, you probably it's something that's ideal for at least sharing. I would suggest. So um, yeah, if if I get the chance, I'll try and send you the photos of what it of what it looks like because. Uh, uh, Yoko and a couple of her friends were going to try to have a competition who could get through a whole one themselves. And um, when her friends saw the size of it, they gave up. And <laughs> <laughs> and they went through, they got two between the three of them. And I can tell you that there was enough brought home that I got a meal out of it and there was still food left over after I got a meal out of it. So, yeah, I'll recommend that to any punters that go down there. Brilliant. Maybe the big mum might have to put his uh, <laughs> up to the test. We'll have yes. to put the eating challenge to him. So watch this space and make sure you're down there on Saturday. We might just reel the big man into an eating contest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you, Spiro. Great to, ch- great to chat, guys. Thanks for having me back and looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. Cheers. Alrighty, so Spiro's out of here, 60s. It's time to talk the last two remaining games from the weekend. Uh, the doubleheader on Sunday out at Wentworth Park with the Sydney Roosters hosting the Parramatta Eels in the Jersey Flag and the New South Wales Cup. We'll start with the flag, the under-21s, 1.15pm kickoff. Uh, Eels looking to knock off, I believe, are they the ladder leading team in here? Uh, let me just jump into the Jersey Flag. Yes, they are. 14 wins from 17 games played, so they're doing all right. Uh, so a big task here for our boys, 60s, but they line up like this. Upper Tweedle at fullback. You've got Matty Komalafi on one wing. Terrell Williams has been named on the other. Richard Panasini and Lachlan Blackburn are in the centres. Blaze Talangi makes his long-awaited return from an injury in that representative city versus country game. He's going to be lining up at 5'8 alongside Ethan Sanders. In the front row, we've got Noah Reed and Tony Matelli. Matty Arfa, or Buds, is at dummy half. Uh, Charlie Geimer on one flank with Will, Will Latu on the other edge. Nicholas Lanars captains the team from lock forward. On the interchange, Ethan Martin brings some energy and the ability to cover a whole swath of backline positions. Lance Fall, Lima, Saxon, Pryke, and Sam Tulvati give some beef to the rotation. Uh, Lachlan Mears-Crab is the 18th man or the reserve player in case of concussion. 
And yeah, taking on this uh, Roosters team, I immediately spotted one name there that we're familiar with, Caleb Toey, who uh, looks like he's made his way from the Raiders to the Roosters um, after being a former Eel himself. Uh, but yeah, the Roosters flying high in this grade 60s. Uh, but our boys, the, on, on paper, the team's not too bad this week. This is probably one of the most significant games, if not the most significant game of their season, because I think if they were to lose this, it's makes, it starts to make it, you know, maybe, maybe a, um, a fence too high to climb for the, uh, for them to qualify for finals football. But if you beat the table-topping team, Boy, you can start to carry in some momentum. They got the win last match. They want to have that win this match coming. Uh, they had the bye last week. They've still got another bye to come. Yeah, it would be an enormous victory if they can get this. And we should point out as well, um, and and we did earlier, when we say Wentworth Park, this is not Wentworth. <laughs> yes. This is, this is Wentworth Park as in, um, Greyhounds Wentworth yes. Park. Yeah, in the middle of the city, the old Greyhounds racing track there. Uh, yeah, do not be heading out to the Ring Rose or the surrounds in Wentworthville. Uh, you'll be on the wrong side of the city. That's right. So, uh, looking at the looking at the team, and this is, I mean, we if there's one thing that we know about lower grades football, it's it's very rare that you get the team that's named on a Tuesday that mm. ends up playing on the weekend because the truth. you you only need some change to the NRL and then you get the cascade of changes coming down. And given that we've already had uh, Mike Acevo, who was named in the NRL team, we can maybe expect that some sort of change is going to filter down unless they make changes from outside of the eel system and go to a Ron Massey Cup team for any players that are called into the New South Wales Cup level. I've just got a feeling we're going to have a change or two to this team. But, of course, the big names to take note of is, as you said, the return of Blaze Talungi, partnering Ethan Sanders in the halves. Ethan, of course, off to, I was going to say, Greener pastures. Well, well let's well, just say green. Let's just say green pastures. I suppose green. It, it works both ways, but yes, definitely off to the the lime green pastures. Yeah, and um, you've also got um, you know Tony Mattaielli coming back to this grade. So you'd like to think he's going to stamp his authority playing in the middle with this particular um, assignment being in the front row. He's been playing on an edge. I guess we'll now see, is he better suited to the middle or the edge? And uh, Charlie Geimer, outstanding form in the under-19s origin last week. So uh, really looking forward to it. And, of course, we've got that bench that is, uh, apart from Ethan Martin, we're looking at the SG ball bench there with Lance Fulima, Saxon Pryke, Sam Tuavite. So... Um, now, in terms of how they're going to go, you know what? I saw last week a team that was back towards the form that they they had played maybe two matches before that. Their loss that they had to the uh, West Tigers was, it was really, I think, one of the worst performances of their season. 
Like it just, I don't know, they just fell out of their systems. Last week, look, honestly, I thought that was the best that I'd seen Matty Arthur play. Woods was just, he was as sharp as anything out of dummy half. And I think that went a long way towards the win. Uh, I'm, You know what? I'm going to tip a win here, mate. I like that energy. Um, I, I'm going to throw some optimism behind your cause as well. Uh, I think this is a very well-balanced team. I like uh, having Blaze back into the team. I think it gives you a really nice dynamic outside of Ethan or alongside Ethan perhaps. And yeah, I think that a bit of a... If they get this win, then suddenly, you know, you're keeping in touch with fifth place because it's a top five in this competition, um, and you're you know, only two wins adrift. If you if you get the win here and then results go your way, you're maybe even just one win behind. So this is a big one. Uh, and yeah, can, we don't want the alternative, but no, no, yeah. If, if if the alternative happens, then while mathematically you're still in contention, I believe uh, this close to the end of the season, you'd need pretty much every result going your way. Plus, you have to win out. So. With their fate in their hands this week, 60s, I'm hoping the boys turn up and, and are real hungry for a big upset. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now we we look at a match which is, well, a grade that's been hard for us to preview in oh, the last couple of months. Preview really. and review. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been real tough. And look, uh, at one point, the Eels were almost shoe-ins for the final series in this grade. They were travelling really nicely uh, at mid-season point thereabouts. And then since that point, it has been just a slipperier and slipperier slope downwards, almost uh, you know reverse exponentially or logarithmically, whichever way it goes uh, downhill. I think they've only won one game since uh, Jake Arthur departed the club. Wow. Uh, and that was the first game after, wasn't it? They sort of rose to the occasion. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been all downhill then, yeah. L- losing Jake was a, an important turning point unfortunately, for this squad, uh, and they now find themselves one uh, spot off the bottom of the ladder ahead of the team that they're playing this week. That's the good news, 60s. Uh, the seven-win seven Eels take on the four-win Sydney Roosters. Um, but looking at this team, they might be uh, up for a bigger you know, sort of bigger battle than they might have hoped for, uh, given who's available for the Eels and who's available for the, the uh, Roosters. Uh, looking at the Eels, though, we start at fullback for this contest that kicks off at 3 o'clock p.m. at the same venue, Wentworth Park. Arthur Miller-Steven uh, looking to back up from what was uh, apparently a pretty solid game from him in the lost 60s. Uh, we have Hayes Dunster and Isaac Lumilumi named on the wings. Wonga Blake and Samuel Luizu named in the centres. But we know that with Mike Acevo now uh, guaranteed that, that four-week suspension, that one of those would be expected to jump into NRL duties, which means there's at least one change in the back line. That's before we get to the fact that the club named Zach Sini with a broken hand. So <laughs> Sini's um, going to be out as well, which means Jordan Rankin will need a partner in the halves. Uh, but we move into the front row where you've got Kai Rodwell and Makahesi Makatoa on either shoulder of Jaden Yates. In the back row, Jack Murchie, young Jock Brazel making the jump into the starting team. That's good to see. And Dan Keir at lock forward. Interchange, another young guy, Jacob Davis, who I think has actually been all right in this grade, which is good to see. Jonte Jr. Beth Mesa continues his long run uh, in the senior New South Wales Cup level, where he's joined by Jeremiah Messia and another young flag-eligible player in Brock Parker. So plenty of young players in this squad, which I suppose if you're struggling the way we are, you might as well, and we've spoken about these, especially for the forwards, these young guys coming in here and taking their lumps, and uh, while you don't want to you know, be raising 
young talents in a losing environment, I feel like forwards is like the spot where if you're going to put them in there, you can learn some important lessons about playing tough and rolling up your sleeves in a you know difficult environment. And we already know that there's going to be a player from this grade elevated. Uh, it was named as, I think, Hayes Dunster was going to be elevated B. up A. to did, the yeah. NRL. Did sponsor so, Hayes' name. Yeah, so there's going to be there's going to be a change there. Whether they bring in from uh, from uh, Ron Massey Cup or whether they elevate from the um, Jersey Flag team, we don't know. Uh, again, um, you've also you mentioned about Zaccini. So I look, I'd be stunned if they if they return to the well with Dan Keir playing out of position at five eight. I think that's been a little bit tough for him playing in that spot. So you've been asking uh, to play for two left boots, haven't you? It's, it's just not his spot. No, no. So uh, I, I mean, I guess they're saying, look, we we like your utility value, but you have to think that there's options outside of that. Um, it's but as we talked about before, it's been tough to find a way to tip the eels. The way to tip the Eels this week is because they're playing a team which has struggled more than they have this season. There is nothing in the in the Eels New South Wales Cup form that gives me the confidence in predicting that they will win. the The main thing where I believe that they can is simply on the back of. I mean, it looks like a strong enough pack to get the job done, doesn't it? Looks like a strong enough pack to be able to lay a platform against a team that's sitting below them on the table. So I'm going to be bold here, John. I'm actually going to predict the Neil's win in New South Wales Cup this week. I mean, if you're not beating the, the team seated behind you uh, by a few wins as well, then who are you beating in this run home to, well, I'm not going to say the finals, but to the final round of the competition because the finals are now more than a bridge too far for our New South Wales Cup team, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, surely with a bit of pride at stake here, you'd hope that they they can do something to arrest the slide and secure the two points against the Roosters. Yeah, so mate, I think that that pretty much wraps up our extended preview episode. How great was it to have Spiro? Oh, how good! Yeah, like we said, the prodigal son returning to the uh, the the Premier Para podcast. Uh, a lot of peas there. A uh, bit of alliteration, but yeah, really great to have Spiro back and uh, looking forward to hopefully for me catching up with him on Saturday. I know you will, um, but yeah, fantastic. And I hope our listeners enjoyed having uh, Spiro's takes and opinions on Parramatta back on the podcast for at least one episode this year. And uh, we'll endeavour to get him back on, though, if the Eels can make a, a good run into the finals. Mate, we'll twist his, we'll twist his arm uh, at the... Um, <laughs> At the, the TGB continuous we'll, call. We'll make an ultimatum to TGP about the, the priorities for Spiro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and also, mate, I'm, I'm looking forward to we'll, – we'll be catching up ourselves tomorrow night at uh, Big Swing Golf at North Mead. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a little bit of a TCT gathering there. So a shout-out to Big Swing Golf at North Mead and, of course, also to Star Partners, Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and – Parramatta, we've got Greg from Star Partners will be joining us tomorrow night. So it's a it's a nice catch up that we've got happening for TCT tomorrow night. But of course, thanks to our sponsors who make all that possible with our podcast, all of our content, because 
as we talked about previously with Mary, it actually it actually costs money to run a website. People may not realise this, and it co- and it costs actually significant money to to uh, have a website going. And without the generous support of sponsors, it, it just wouldn't happen. So when we say without the support of our sponsors, it wouldn't happen. It actually wouldn't. So or it would happen in a very different form to what we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course. Another reminder that you've got the 2GB continuous calls team happening at Parramatta Leagues Club on Saturday from 1 until 10pm in our usual stomping ground, Jack's Bar and Grill in Parramatta Leagues Club. So make sure you catch up with Spiro and, of course, all of the big stars from 2GB. And they've got then the live call of the the last couple of matches on Super Saturday, including the Eels versus the Cowboys from 7.30pm. John, thank you for your brilliant work again today. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in again. And as we always say, go you mighty eels.